Section 21 of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon 21 The Lion and the Bear. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. David was a shepherd boy, keeping the sheep of his father Jesse on the hillsides near Bethlehem. A lion came one day on the flock and carried off a lamb. Then David pursued the beast, caught him by his beard, and smote him and slew him. On another occasion a bear threatened the sheep, and David killed him also. That was the beginning of his eventful career. His first battles were with a lion and a bear. His next was with the Philistine Goliath, and after that with many enemies— with the Amalekites, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Syrians, the Edomites, and others. It seems to me, children, especially you, boys, that you have two enemies to contend with in your youth, violence and bearishness. Until you have conquered these, you will not have proved yourselves worthy to go against greater foes, and if you allow yourself to be mastered by these, when you are children, you will never be able to stand against others. When you go out into life, you will meet with many and sore temptations. Like David, you will be called to be a man of war from your youth. You will have the devil and the flesh and the world against you, all seeking your ruin. If you think to have a life of peace, you are much mistaken. Is there not, asked Job, a warfare to man upon earth? Violence of temper is the lion with which you have to fight. Angry passions are the first passions that assail you. In your play you cannot have everything that you like, or something said or done by another makes your blood boil and your cheek flame. Anger is natural, and in itself is not wrong, but it is sinful when it masters you. When a lion is in a cage and allowed no opportunity of tearing and killing, you do not fear him, but when he breaks out of the cage, then everyone takes to flight." Anger is not wrong when the cause is just, the feeling moderate, and the desire of punishment proportioned to the offense. Be ye angry, says St. Paul, and sin not. Living as we do, in the midst of wickedness and injustice, we cannot fail to be angry when we see or feel injustice and wrong. We resent it because our conscience proclaims what is right and sees a violation of the right. You are struck a blow, or called an offensive name, or something of yours is snatched from you and spoiled willfully. You are angry because the blow and the name are undeserved, and the thing spoiled is maliciously spoiled. I do not say that it is wrong to be angry under such circumstances. On the contrary, I say it is very natural that you should be angry. But supposing your passion overmasters you, and in a fit of fury you rush on the boy who has thus treated you, and kick and beat him savagely. Then the anger is sinful, it is excessive, and it has overmastered you. Again, supposing you have done another an injury, and he retaliates, and calls you a sneak, or boxes your ears. You have deserved it, the punishment is unpleasant, but it is your due, and you have no right to be angry except with yourself. There is an old fable of a lion going into town, and what attracted his attention at once was a marble statue of a man standing over a lion, which he had quelled, and which he threatened with his sword. Ah, said the beast to a citizen who was passing, 
This is the way in which you represent the battle. If we lions had set up the statue, the man would be prostrate, and the king of animals standing over him, ready to devour him. The statue the lion saw represents the position in which the angry passions always should be, controlled, held under, awed by the reason. It is only in savage state that passion masters man. St. Paul gives a good piece of advice about anger. He says, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That is, if you have been angry, justly or unjustly, conquer the passion, and make up friends if possible, before you go to sleep. There was a very holy patriarch of Alexandria called John. The governor of Alexandria had imposed a tax on the city which fell with peculiar severity on the poor, whilst the rich got off with comparative ease. The patriarch went to the governor, whose name was Nicetus, and remonstrated with him. Nicetus was furious. He stormed against the bishop, and pursued him to his own house and inner chamber, uttering fierce abuse. He had completely lost control over himself, so great was his anger at the prelate's interference. John was much agitated and distressed. He waited all the afternoon praying for a reconciliation, but not another word had he with the governor. As the evening drew on, he became still more uneasy. He felt he could not sleep with the bitterness subsisting between them. So he wrote on a slip of parchment the words, The sun is setting, and sent it to Nicetus, who, recalling the maxim of St. Paul, was moved to regret his violence, and he hasted to the residence of the patriarch, asked his pardon, and their broken friendship was restored. Our Lord bids us love our enemies. No doubt this is not an easy thing to do, so long as passion has the mastery over us, but if we master it, then this is not difficult. So with forgiveness of injuries. We pray that God will forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others that trespass against us. It is not an easy thing thus to forgive, but unless we forgive others the wrongs they have done us, we shall not be forgiven by God the wrongs that we have done Him. Now if we conquer our lion, and hold him down, and stand over him, if, I mean, we manage to master our angry passion and control it, so that it cannot rise and burst forth and rend and devour, then we shall not find it so difficult to forgive as is supposed. Keep the wild passion in chains, and the Christian graces and virtues will come easy enough, but let it loose and they will be unattainable. Remember this, either you must stand over the lion, or the lion will stand over you. Either you must conquer your violent temper, or your violent temper will conquer you. The other enemy you have to contend with is bearishness. The greatest charm in a boy is politeness or civility, and this is not so often met with as one could wish. Boys and girls are now allowed so much liberty that they behave everywhere, and at all times, and before all people, as though they had only themselves to consider, and as if they owed no consideration, respect, or deference to their elders and betters. It used to be said that bears never allowed their cubs to be seen out of the cave in which they were born until they had licked them into shape, for infant bear cubs were misformed hideous little beasts. But the mother by pains and constant licking got them into something like shape. Rabbits, as you know, will not allow their little ones to be seen until they are sightly objects. I am afraid that too many little human bear cubs are allowed out before they are licked into shape. Now, what is the cause of bearishness, of cubbishness? It is, in the first place, thought of self. 
the boy or girl whose mind is fixed on self is sure not to have thought of the wants and wishes of others, and to be without the respect due to others. In the upper classes of society it would be thought so disgraceful for ladies and gentlemen to turn out bear cubs into the world, that they are obliged to lick them into shape and make them learn manners. They have to teach them how to do this or that, and not to do this or that. So the children grow up without bearish manners, but it does not follow that they have not bear-cub hearts within. They are taught not to make a noise in the presence of their elders, not to interrupt conversation, nor turn from those who speak to them, to make way for others to go before them into a room or through a gate, to take off the hat to a superior, and on entering a house, to answer a question modestly, and so on. They learn all these little matters as they learn music and French and dancing. They put on these manners as they put on their clothes. But it would be much better if the bear were killed instead of being hidden in a cupboard. It too often happens with those who have been taught to be polite and courteous without being taught also to conquer the evil principle which lies at the root of cubbishness that on occasion the bad beast breaks out, bursts through all restraints, and then we see that gentle manner was put on and is not real. The bear is in the cupboard and hidden, but it is alive and impatient of restraint, and takes the first opportunity to show itself. When St. Paul tells you, Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and render unto all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, owe no man anything, but love one another, he is telling you how to kill the bear. Try to be gentle in manner, considerate of the failings and requirements of others, respectful to your elders and betters, kind to your companions, thoughtful of what your parents need. Try to save others trouble, try to help others in their difficulties, try to be patient with those who are a little trying. Avoid forwardness of manner, all self-conceit, boasting, all uproariousness, roughness, and incivility, and you will be killing the bear. Selfishness is the mother of bearishness. If you persist in seeking self, thinking of self, pushing everyone aside to make way for self, then you will be nurturing the bear, and the bear will so master you that when you go out into life the bear will hold you by a chain and lead you about. If the lion be feared, the bear is loathed. It is a disgusting brute and the bearish child is a most offensive child, and grows up into a most offensive man or woman. Bearishness is exactly the reverse of what should be the character of a Christian. The Christian religion softens and refines. It teaches all to be kindly to one another, to love as brethren, to be pitiful and courteous. No selfish, rude, rough, impudent child is like the child Jesus, and the man or woman who lives for self and disregards others carries in his or her life no trace of resemblance to the life on earth of him who came to set an example how we should walk. Satan himself will assail you when you grow older. You will have to fight with him if you are Christ's soldier, as David had to fight with Goliath. But if you have not first fought with and conquered the lion of violent temper and the bear of rude manners, you will not be able to resist him. He will easily overcome and destroy you. Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God because in Him was no wrath and no roughness. Try to be gentle as the Lamb, 
resist and overcome passion, and master bearishness, then you will be like Christ, and like David you will be able to conquer greater enemies, and our Lord himself will help you, for he will see in you his likeness, and will own you as one of his disciples, one of those who follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. End of section 21